And I think that's one of the most critical things to us being successful as auditors is I'm not just showing up because I need something from you. Uh, it doesn't feel like much of a relationship when the only time we're reaching out to talk to them is because we need something from them. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Audit Podcast. I'm your host, Trent Russell, and today we have Jason Winters on the show. He is the AVP of Internal Audit Methodology and Innovation at Navy Federal Credit Union. On the show, we talk about what's in Jason's internet browsing history uh, from this week, talk about what's working well with his data analytics team and what's not working well with his data analytics team, plans for AI in 2024. It's going to be a hot, if not the topic for 2024, probably regardless of industry and profession. Uh, Jason's a big relationships guy. Communication is, is critical in his opinion, and I agree. So we talk about like once the audit is done, how do you maintain relationships with that person, auditee, client, whatever you call them, and why? I mean, what we have so much to do, why continue to maintain and build that relationship? Similarly, we talk about during the audit itself, how do you build a relationship with someone? Like what can we actually do to build the relationship? Not just the importance of it, we all know that, we've heard it countless times, but what steps can we actually take to build that relationship? And then given Jason's job title with the methodology and innovation, we talk about what he learned in going through their current methodology and updating it, uh, some tips there, as well as on the innovation front, what's on the horizon for them. And then we close out on efficiency versus effectiveness and what they are doing and why they are looking at effectiveness more so maybe than efficiency. With that, here we go. What is in your internet browsing history from this week? We're on a Friday, so you've had you've had five full days here to or six, yeah. I guess, to browse. What's in your browsing history this week? Yeah, you know, I, I wish I had something exciting, you know, response to give you on that, but uh, definitely aligns with being a middle aged father. You know, I've got <laughs> a lot of browsing on to do projects around the house that my wife would like me to complete. So I'm trying Just to figure out some of those things. Yeah, and I've been coaching my son's twelve-year-old basketball team, so you know, trying to find some coaching strategies uh, to to help us win a game here and there. Nice. Um, so uh, almost middle-aged, also father, and I texted my wife yesterday. We stopped texting full sentences, like it's just a. I just tell her the place I'm going. There's no verb. So yesterday was gym, post office, pickup, or pick up the kid, um, and she said GPP, and I was like. Yeah, I guess that would be the acronym. And I was like, I don't really get it. From the Jersey Shore days. So this is like right when we were in college, just graduated. It was G Jim Tan Laundry, GTL. And she's yeah. like, that, that's your new like middle-aged dad acronym is not Jim Tan Laundry. It's Jim Post Office, pick up the kid. And so I, I yeah. can, uh, 
Let's see where you're coming from with the middle-aged dad piece of that. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, just not much exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The post office. I was stoked. I couldn't wait. All yeah. right. All right. Um, so I know you have a, uh, a fully dedicated analytics team over there in the internal audit department. Um, and so curious for, for those that have those or looking to build those, what's working well for your team right now? What's maybe not working so well uh, for yeah. that same team? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the really great things, similar to the rest of our audit department, we're really, we're in a growth mode right now. So the great news is we're getting a lot of support from, you know, executive leadership and AV Federal to continue to grow our audit department. And with that, we're growing our analytics function. So I think one of the things that's been a really success story is that we've we've added to, we've we've gotten some really good talent. Um, we certainly have tools available to use and there continues to be new tools, right, that roll out. So I think we've We've got all of those capabilities at our hands to continue to build out our use of analytics. Uh, I think as you look at it over the past year, one of the things that was probably most uh, beneficial in the analytics space was how do we get that audit, that analytics team plugged into the audit team more and making sure that we're doing that really early in the process. Uh, I think, yeah, you know, as we started to use analytics over the prior years, there was a desire to use them, but it's how do you get them involved at the right point in the audit? If we don't engage with analytics until field work, probably a little bit too late by the time they track down the data, they analyze it. You're just sitting around waiting to complete the audit because the analytics is still trying to do their work. So yeah. we really had a concerted effort last year to to rethink how we did that. So we've we revised our planning process overall for our audits and we added a pre-planning phase just okay. to really start preparing for the audit. And we incorporated within that that the audit team connects with the data analytics team. I think one of the challenges for that is the audit team doesn't necessarily know what their scope is going to be. They may not know exactly what they want to do, but we're just saying, have that conversation, start to open the dialogue, make sure the analytics team is plugged in. They can start to then do some work to figure out what are those source systems, what data might be available. And we just start to get the ball rolling. So I think that's been helpful of how do we get that earlier in the process? And I think we want to continue to think about how we get it even earlier. Yeah, you, you know, because I think today we're getting to a place where we're getting our analytics done during field work phase to help the auditors then complete the audit. But I think the ideal state is how do we get a lot of those analytics done by the time planning's completed? And then you can use some of the results of that to even inform where do you test more? Maybe there's something that based upon the analytics, we don't even need to test because we feel like based upon what we've done, there's not a lot of risk in that space. So that's been really, really good. I think as we continue to mature our function uh, from a data analytics standpoint, but I think that uh, we're just continuing to grow in that space, keep adding talent, keep finding the right people to join on the team and then keep building more and more what that integration looks like with the audit teamers. For those that are watching the full video on YouTube, you saw me smile and point when you said, when Jason said pre-planning, because it's always been like there's planning as a, in an audit, planning, controls, testing, or field work, and then reporting. Um, and with data, you have to add a pre-planning, you know, it's the, the meeting to plan for the meeting kind of thing almost, for those that are familiar with that. But, so that's why I pointed, pointed at you and kind of smiled like, yeah, you have to have that pre-planning piece in there. So it was, it was good to hear you say that. Um, within your, especially I feel like when you have an analytics team like that and some uh, a team that's dedicated to analytics and AI is going to come into that world. Yep. Also, AI is obviously, I mean, 2023 was almost the year for it and 2024 even more so as more people start to use it and go, oh, I, didn't, I had no idea it could do this. That is incredible. What's the what, what's the AI plan in 2024 for you guys? And you can talk about it from two perspectives. One, maybe what you might be looking at 
um, your organization and how they're using it, and also how you and internal audit might also be using it. You can kind of go whatever direction you want to there. Yeah, no, sounds good. Yeah, I think from uh, as we look at it from an internal audit standpoint, we're we're really we're monitoring it and keeping our eye on it. I mean, as you mentioned, definitely was a topic. I attended a few conferences in 2023, and it was it was the hot topic at all of them that I was at. So kind of hard to miss unless you were trying to last year. Um, so definitely a topic we're monitoring to see, you know, how can that help us as we go? I think, you know, in alignment with just organizationally, we're, we're looking at those technologies and, and making sure that we're vetting them. And before we bring them into our environment, what does that mean? And I think there's a lot to consider in this space in terms of, are you bringing in a, in a tool that sits just within your environment and it's only, only has your data in it? Um, certainly that's a much safer way than you know, using a publicly available tool where you can just go pop data in. That's not something that we're using as an organization or within our department in terms of those publicly available tools where we're sharing our information. We want to be really careful about any type of organizational data that we might be putting into those types of tools. So I think right now we're still in kind of that due diligence phase to say, what might we bring into the organization from different tools and capabilities? Uh, but I think we definitely see the value in how we can use them with an internal audit. Um, if you look at what we've been working on, I talked about a little bit of the changes to our planning process. You know, we've really been focusing a lot strategically on how do we enhance the foundational items, enhance our methodology to set us up for success as we move forward with some of the things that we want to achieve within our department. Um, and I think, so with that in mind, we're really focusing on how do we enhance those, those uh, foundations to set ourselves up for what the future looks like. And I think these are the types of things that, that are included in that future. You know, I think easily you could see the value for how it can help with things like risk assessments and initial research and an audit, right? You know, uh, I've I've used ChatGPT just personally a little bit to play around with it and just see what types of things like, you know, hey, hey uh, help me plan a trip. We're going to go to, uh, we're going to go to Gatlinburg this summer. What types of things might you recommend? And, and there's some good information, right? It's kind of like, kind of like a search engine that provides even more depth of information. So I think that there's some value in using a tool in that aspect of how do we learn more about the the areas of the business that we might be performing audits in. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for it to help us in being more consistent in the way that we're drafting issues and writing audit reports. Uh, certainly you mentioned analytics, right? There's a lot of capabilities where yeah, I can come in and help perform certain analytics or look at code that we might be developing to evaluate the quality of it. Uh, and I think on the back end, you've been thinking about how could AI help us in performing our own internal QA reviews. So, you know, one of the things that we're really working on too right now is enhancing what our QA, QAIP program looks like. And so, you know, how do we explore how AI could help us get more coverage of our own auto work to make sure that we're, you know, we've got the right level of quality in the work that we're doing. Yeah, that's a unique one. I haven't heard that yet. That's interesting. Um, we'll have to dig into that a little bit later. Um, for your Gatlinburg trip, depending on which way it tells you to come through, if you come through Birmingham, I would recommend stopping off here. We could hang out for a minute. If it sends you through Atlanta, maybe not. But I don't know if that was a recommendation that chat gave you. It was like, yeah, stop in Birmingham and hang out with Trent for a minute. So, um, I didn't recommend that, but it did have me going through Birmingham. But, uh, you know, back to the middle-aged dads, you know, showing up with three kids. So I'm not sure that, you know, we, we can go hit the post office together, but that's about it. Good point. And also the uh, middle-aged dadness thing, you have to uh, limit the amount of stops that you take on any kind of road trip. And so just 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 keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. All right. I know we've been hitting on a lot of tech-type topics. And initially when we, did, we talked to you, it was about, like, let's talk more soft skills, communication, relationships. 
things of that nature, which, which are obviously critically important. But one of those being is how you maintain relationships once an audit is over. I think we're all pretty decent at building those during the audit, but it's after it ends where you probably go, I mean, what's the point? I mean, I'm not going to talk to this person again, unless it's a repeatable audit. I'm not going to talk to this person again. So what do you, do you have a process? Uh, I know you're a methodology guy. Do you have a methodology for doing that? And some like actual steps to maintain that relationship? Cause they're only going to build over time. So you're yeah. only going to have, you know, you just keep stacking them up. Uh, and then the other thing is why, like, why do you, why do you even care? Like we're done with the audit. Who cares, Jason? Why are you still talking to him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I think about after the audit, I, I kind of even go to before the audit, right? Like how do we even build the relationship before the audit? It's thinking about that process of, or that mindset of having relationships when we're not doing work. And I think that's one of the most critical things to us being successful as auditors is I'm not just showing up because I need something from you. Uh, it doesn't feel like much of a relationship when the only time we're reaching out to talk to them is because we need something from them. And so I think for them, if I'm on their side of, of that relationship, I want to see that you're doing something for me too, right? And it's got to be mutually beneficial. So I think that's why it's key that before we even come in for an audit, we've been connecting with them. We've gotten to know them. When we come in to do the audit, certainly that helps a lot if we've already got an established relationship. And then that continues after the audit, right? We continue to maintain that relationship because, you know, we're going to continue to work with them in the future. And we're setting that stage for more effective and efficient audits in the future. But I think even more so, it's building that relationship so that they start to see us as a business partner and not just the internal audit team, right? We've, you know, we're all aware there's a lot of different perceptions of what internal audit is. And I think as a profession, moving towards us being a consultative partner where they want to bring us in to help and they see us as a strategic partner, it's an important step for us to make in the profession. And I think the relationship aspect part of it is, is the most critical part of that. I think the way that, you know, aside from meeting with them periodically and, you know, having those types of, you know, catching up for coffee, if you're in the same location as them, certainly all those things go a long way. But I think one of the most critical things to maintaining that relationship is showing them that you're interested in their business and you're mm-hmm. invested in them being successful, right? So I think even small things like, you know, if you're keeping pace with what's happening in, in whatever industry you work in, you see something that might be impactful for them reaching out and sharing, Hey, I, I saw this and I thought you might find it interesting or beneficial, or I saw this happen with your part of the organization. You know, it seems like a, a really great initiative. Just wanted to reach out and say, congrats on completing that project. Just those little things that help them see that you're paying attention to what they're doing. Because I think aside from, you know, the, the general perceptions misperceptions about internal auditors and what, what we do for an organization. I think that one of the criticisms we often get is that we're not an expert in their business, which I think is fair. We're never likely going to be at the same level of expertise as them because we've got a broader set of responsibilities. Right. They know more about the, the rest of the organization as well. But I think part of that criticism is that we need to be showing them that we, we, we care about what it is they do. We care about being a partner that helps them be successful. And we are keeping pace with what's impacting them, their teams, their part of the business. I think that will go a long way towards helping to drive that, that perception of expertise in their area. I don't think that generally that feedback is, oh, you guys don't know anything about our business. I think it's, we can, we can fill that gap by showing them how much we do care and how much we are staying in touch with what's impacting them. 
Yeah, I like the random notes. For those that are looking for the actionable, how can we do that? Just the random notes of, hey, thought of you and, you know, saw this and thought of you, basically. I mean, that can be the message. Um, but it's similar to if you get a random phone call from a friend that you haven't heard from in a while or just a text from them also, and you go, well, if it's a phone call, you're probably like, we're not talking on the phone. Like, just text me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's nobody right. talks on the phone anymore. Yeah. Um, but even then, you get those, and if nothing else, you kind of get this feeling of, oh, that was kind of nice. I'm glad they thought of me, which goes a long way, especially when few other people do that. It goes a really long way. So I really like that as an actionable um, tip for people to, to implement. So even maintain a spreadsheet of the, the folks that you've worked with in the past. And at some point, even if it's a personal note, they have like, Jason, you have three kids, you know? Um, something yep. along those lines, or we've been talking about middle-aged dadness and so something pops up on my radar related to middle-aged dads, you know, shooting that note over to you. Uh, it does make a big difference speaking it from someone who's, who has gotten those also and going, oh, that's really nice. That it makes that person stand out. So I thought that was great. All right. What about the, for the current auditees, the people that you're, your or clients or however you all refer to them? Um, when reverse them a little differently, but how do you build those relationships and really make an impact to where they go? Well, oh, this is a little different. Like Jason's a different dude when it comes to this. Yeah, I think uh, the the big opportunity here is uh, one uh, taking time to understand what works for them. So, you know, particularly uh, from like a communication standpoint, it's really easy for us to look at it and say, "Hey, here, this is an effective way for us to communicate with a business partner during an audit." Uh, but if I've gotten to know them and I understand what's important to them, how they like to be communicated with, or even if I haven't worked with them, uh, just asking them what really works well for you for us to keep you informed along the way during the audits to communicate with you. And I think at the end of the day, right, people just don't want to be surprised, um, especially like if something gets up to the leadership levels above them that they're not aware of. You know, those are the things where the communication aspect really comes in. So helping understand what is it that is important to you? So that I make sure you, if you don't want to be surprised that I make sure you don't get surprised or, you know, you don't like to meet on Fridays. Okay, great. We'll have status meetings on other days of the week. So I think having them that opportunity for them to say, this is what really works for me. And then us adapting the way that we approach the audit can go a long way for them feeling like they're part of the audit and not just being audited. Um, I think, you know, along those lines, you know, communication overall, right, is really important. So you know, we can have the same scope and tests and results of an audit, uh, but it can be really different in result from a relationship standpoint in terms of how we communicated that along the way. Even if we have really, you know, poor results on an audit, there's a lot of high issues. Maybe the results just aren't great. How that's perceived can go really different ways depending on how well we communicate and how much we show respect for the business unit to say, hey, we want to have conversations and we want to get your input. Uh, because we do see these as high risks and we want the opportunity for you to weigh in and us work together as we get to that conclusion. So again, we avoid those surprises. When you need to go talk to your leadership, you feel well, well prepared for those discussions because for them, there's nothing worse than having adverse results and then not being prepared for them to communicate yep. that upward to the leadership above them. So I think being invested in understanding what works for them and how they want to be communicated with it just generally plugging them in and having them be a part of the audit process. You know, we talked about the changes we made to planning by adding that pre-planning phase. The other aspect of pre-planning is for us to have an initial conversation with our business partners to say, hey, we've got this audit coming up. We just want to hear from you. What is it that's important? What are the things that you 
if you had the opportunity to tell us, here's the areas I want to focus on, what would they be? And so having them be a part of that, making sure we're communicating well and giving, you know, listening to what they have to say along the way and, and taking their perspective into account and, and not just dismissing it. So I think the more we make them feel like we're auditing with them instead of just auditing them, I think it goes a long way. The auditing or working with them based on their schedule is, it was an aha moment for me. We had Clarissa Lucas on, she wrote a book on auditing with agility and she had this use case in there from that where she, their team was part of the team they're auditing. They jumped on their standups. They were part of their meetings, you know, uh, and they could just get in there and go, Hey, since we have the entire team here, let's knock this out real quick. One, two, three. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow or, or whenever, as opposed to looking at their calendar, scheduling or emailing and going back and forth. And that was a big one for me to go, yeah, why don't I just jump on your team calls? <laughs> Give me like five minutes. We can jump off and we don't have to go through multiple levels of, uh, in the hierarchy to get something taken care of. So I really like that, um, that you hit on that also. And so from that, I put in the top of my, uh, for the folks that I work with, there's like a, like a culture section is what I've started calling it. And so, it, and it's largely when they prefer meetings, but it, the culture piece kind of came from, there's this one group and they like, Hey, we don't do calls on Fridays, Fridays. We do no meeting Fridays. Don't schedule anything on Friday. Of course, I, did, I completely forgot that and scheduled one. And, you know, um, so from that, I made sure to have a culture section for everyone that said, okay, they don't do Friday meetings. They do Monday and Wednesday. They're in the office. That's when they prefer to have meetings. So let's do it then nine to 10, whatever. Um, so I found that to be really, really helpful. Even if they don't know that I've done that, you know, it's really helpful. Uh, so you're kind of crushing right now, Jason. I like what you're saying. I, I think the other thing too, right, is with us working in, a lot of us are in a hybrid format, you know, some days in the office, some days at home. And I think, you know, just thinking outside of the box in terms of how, how do we be intentional about trying to still have in-person touch points when we can, you know, we've got people uh, within our department and we're across three different locations. And so, you know, we're not always going to be in the same location as uh, the rest of the audit team we're working with or our business partners we're working with. But if we can, you know, the opportunity to still have those in-person touch points make a big difference too, I think. And so, you know, those are all the things I think we need to be intentional about of how do we just plan to make sure that not just looking at these as administrative steps, like, oh, I have to do a status meeting. But to me, every time we're talking with the business in that type of setting, it's an opportunity for us to to leave a good impression, mm -hmm. to build that relationship more. And so I think we should look at every opportunity to connect with them as as a chance for us to improve that relationship and think about what it, what's the experience like to go through an audit. Like there's been a lot of talk, like you know, even before COVID about like customer journeys. Mm -hmm start to think about that and audit to say like what's our what's the journey like for our business partners of going through an audit because yeah. we certainly have pain points but there's there's probably things that aren't overly enjoyable for them either and so how do we think about just making some changes over time to to have it be beneficial on both sides so the process yeah. works well for both groups yeah i like that there's a lot of good stuff in there also the one of the things that drew me to you uh, to have you on was your job title and that it was in audit, but it spoke to methodology and innovation also. And so I know you've made some updates to your methodology. What was the, some of the more interesting kind of takeaways from, from going through that process that you might've implemented? Yeah, I think, um, you know, so this is my, my first type of role, you know, it's, it's really a professional practices type of role. Um, you know, my entire career to this date has been on performing audits. So, 
it's a new role for me to step in, but it was really interesting for me because it, it gave me a, a different opportunity, a different perspective on things, a little bit still in the audit space, but a little bit different than what I've been doing. Uh, what I really enjoy about it is the strategic aspect of it. It's an opportunity to, to think about the changes we make, we have to be really intentional about, right? Because it's not about the short-term change necessarily. It's how do we make sure we're making changes that align to long-term what we're trying to achieve from a strategy standpoint. So I think it's, you know, really everything that we look at when we make a change, it's not being making a change too quickly, right? It's being thoughtful to say, if we make this change, does that get us closer to what we're trying to do from a strategic standpoint? And then what could go differently than we expected? How might this not get us closer to that? So I think it's that devil's advocate portion of it to say, yeah, yeah, we think this is going to work, but why might it not work? And and thinking through that process. So I really like that piece of it and being strategic. Um, I've got a great team that I work with. And so, you know, we have a culture where we get to, to bounce things off of each other and it's not just one person's opinion. So I think that goes a long way when you're working in that space. It's not, oh, we were told we have to do it this way. There's an opportunity for us to really think about it strategically and then come back and say, here's what we think is our best path forward. I think the biggest learning for me just in this type of role is to be really thoughtful about how we do change management. So, you know, certainly with this, we've had changes that there's required change management efforts with our business partners. And I think we're generally always more thoughtful about that. And in the audit department, hey, here's a business unit facing change. And we need to make sure that we're out there communicating that. And we've certainly done that along the way to make sure we have the right communications and touch points and feedback mechanisms. Uh, but I think internally too, how do we make sure that our team is aware of upcoming changes? How do we make sure that we're effective in communicating them, giving them the training that they need so that they feel prepared for the change? And, you know, we've had learnings along the way. Not every single change goes perfectly, but at least what, what we do well is we, we're really focused on that. It's something that we talk about with every change. How big of an impact is this for the team? How do we make sure that we're communicating and effectively we're giving them a heads up on changes that are coming? Because, you know, everybody goes through that time period where there's a little bit of change fatigue, right? Organizations, the, the pace of change for all organizations is crazy. And so audit departments are no different. We're, we're, we've got a lot of change that's happening to our profession. And so we recognize that. We, we definitely empathize with that change fatigue that can happen. So how do we approach it in a way that we don't stop making changes because of that, but we're really thoughtful about the way that we do make those changes? Yeah. And there's some teams, um, likely not in audit, but for organizations, they have a change management team, an entire team in the organization dedicated to that. And so it's not easy. It's not as easy as, hey, we're doing this different. All right. Peace, everybody. So how do you make that actually stick? I mean, of, of course, verbal communication, written communication is important, but then for for those changes, how do you, again, how do you make it stick to where people follow it? Is it embedded in your you know, audit management system, for example, or is it, because I've seen methodologies and processes all over the place for organizations and it's like, well, I don't go check those every day and I didn't even know, so I didn't even know that existed, that that was in there. So how do you make sure or further make sure that when a change is made, that people use it? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, you're exactly right. There's We can have all of the different uh, resources out there for people to go reference, but everybody's busy day to day, right? They're just trying they're, they're trying to keep their odds on track, get their work done and trying to filter through a lot of documents. Sometimes that's it's a bit of a burden, right? But 
I think that um, this is a space where we're really trying to focus in 2024 on on how do we evaluate these changes. Um, I mentioned some of the enhancements we're making from a QA to IP standpoint, and really having a more dedicated team that's a part of part of my organization that would be focused on performing QA reviews. But we want that that team. One of their focuses to be okay. So we've made a change. We've had enough time for that change to settle in. Let's go and do a review and see how well yeah. we're following that. We're not here to call people out individually on that. Hey, this person didn't follow this new process, but let's look and see how well are we adhering to that new process? And is there an opportunity now for a refresher uh, from a training standpoint? So I think, you know, last year we had a lot on communications and doing training, but I think this year we got to continue to say, how do we make sure it's sticking? How do we make sure that we're seeing those changes go through and we're realizing what we were hoping would be the benefits and the impact of those changes? Got it. Got it. The other interesting piece of your job title is innovations. What's on the horizon for innovation for you all this year? Yeah. You know, I mentioned uh, we've, we've had so much focus since I've joined so far, just in enhancing the foundations of our methodology. Um, and we've gotten a lot of that work. We've gotten through a lot of that work, which is great. Um, we still got some things that we want to continue to enhance and improve. And I think we're getting to that stage now where we get to evaluate how do we think about things a little bit differently than we have in the past. A big part of that was we implemented a new tool, uh, audit tool late last year. And um, I think that gives us a lot of capabilities we haven't had before. You know, we're on that learning curve. So with that, we've yeah. got to get everybody up to speed because you can, you train on the tool, but then there's, it's all those nuances of the tool. Like, I, I don't know how to do these little things or I didn't realize the tool did that. So we're all on that learning journey together with really maximizing how we use the tool. But I think it offers a lot of capabilities for us to, you know, from easy things like how do we automate some tasks that are just manual? Um, but I think, you know, those are some of the easy ones that over time you can, the tools give you the capability to do that. There's a lot of tools that are out there, you know, just period outside of our audit tool that allow and, and help with automation. Um, so certainly those types of things are out there to say, we, we have, we, you know, most departments have some type of manual processes that exist. And so how do we target and evaluate uh, and prioritize some of those that we'd like to build automation to help with uh i think the other aspect of innovation that's less technology based is just thinking differently about how we approach methodology uh, how do we take a more principles based view on how we do things and say instead of you know really saying it has to be done this way we say more stay within these guardrails you know we're gonna we're going to say like, okay, don't step outside of this guardrail, or if you need to, let's have a conversation to make sure that we're all on the same page with doing that, but giving more latitude to make some decisions, to think critically of what's best in this, this, uh, this particular audit that I'm working in. And it kind of goes back to the same thing that we we're talking about with relationships and communication. Yeah. If we're really prescriptive about the way that we do that, it doesn't really work with how you build and maintain those relationships. So we want to give more flexibility to say, operate within here. And we'll give you some guidance on best practices and, hey, this type of scenario popped up. Here's things to think about. But we want to give the audit teams the opportunity to make decisions that are best in the audit that they're working on. And you hit on automation and the efficiencies from that. But I know effectiveness has been a big push for you also. So what's the what are you doing to be more effective, even though you are investing a lot in automation and efficiencies? Yeah, and, and that's, you know, to that exact point, I think that's one of the challenges, right? Is you're working on those things to help improve your effectiveness. Effectiveness and efficiency can sometimes be competing priorities, right? And so I think 
I think part of it that is you prioritize which ones, you know, which of those is your most important. And right now, I think we've been really prioritizing. Let's focus on how do we make our processes and our audit output as effective as possible. You know, we want to we want to be really good partners to our business. We want to make sure we're hitting on the right risks. We've been really focusing on the effectiveness piece and those foundational enhancements that I've talked about are a lot driving on the effectiveness side and saying we want to do things maybe a little bit differently than we've done them in the past. So we want to just you know, we do these things really well, but we want to be even better at those as we move forward. So that's been a lot of our focus, I think, is is continuing to drive the effectiveness of the work that we're doing. Um, and so I think, you know, as we go through those types of changes, that's once we get those those in place and we've, you know, we've done those reviews to make sure that we're actually adhering to those changes and we're seeing the benefits of them and we we really feel like it aligns to strategically where we're going, then I think you shift your focus and say, okay, how do we start to do reviews of things that we're doing today that we don't need to do anymore? Mm -hmm. uh, how do we start to remove some of those manual processes or just evaluate, this is something we've been doing, do we even need to be doing it anymore? Uh, we've, we've probably got some things that we were doing just because we've always done them, but maybe there's not value to doing those anymore. So I think that's like that next phase of our evolution is to start looking at it and saying, okay, We've reached, we've gotten to the point we want to from effectiveness. How do we start to think about what it is we're doing and how we're doing it? Got it. Okay. I like it. So as we start to wrap up the show, I want to give you the floor. <clears throat> what do you want to leave the audience with? What are your, your closing remarks? Yeah. What I'd say is, you know, kind of on our conversation today on relationships and communication, um, I actually think one of our biggest assets uh, as auditors can be those clients that are most difficult. Um, I know that they cause a lot of, you know, it could cause a lot of challenges as we work with people who are just not fans of auditors. A lot of the times I feel like those people have had bad experiences at other companies maybe, or just bad experiences with audit overall. But if you think about it, if we view that as a group who can help us further our brand even more, right? If we can go through an audit and communicate well with them and build relationships. And at the end of it, they say, actually working with audit was a pretty good experience. That goes a long way towards the brand that we want to build within an organization. Uh, I think those clients that are already really good and easy to work with, you don't move the needle as much. Uh, you want to continue to obviously maintain those relationships, but there's such an opportunity for us to view those challenging clients as somebody who can be a huge asset for us. If we just continue to approach our work in the right way, that by the end of it, they see the value and maybe even start to talk to their peers about the value of internal audit. I think that's where we can really realize a lot of, uh, and you know, really enhancements in the brand that we carry across the organization. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.